0: that base level security is there it's mostly just down to peer pressure and the need to and the need to find validation from others because you think that that's a substitute for you know your own internal voice and it tends to create a vicious cycle where you spend so much time looking for external validation that you don't really figure yourself out which makes you more dependent on the external validation which makes you sink more time into it
1: Hey guys, my name is Akshita. I'm a data analyst and a travel enthusiast.
2: I'm Anad. I'm a finance bro and a tech geek. And you're listening to The Why Coordinate, the weekly podcast where we discuss the why behind human society and behavior.
1: Lessons from pop culture and our own experiences to lead a more intentional, efficient and happy life.
2: Hey guys, welcome to the Y coordinate. Uh hi Akshita, how's your uh, week been?
1: I am. It's been a hectic week. It's been a while since I've spoken to you. Like I, I know, I know. The last week was like jam packed. We spoke almost every day.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> twice a day sometimes <laughs> and this has been like two weeks since we have spoken so yeah.
2: <laughs> I know, I know. It's like I have no idea what's going on in there, life, but maybe uh. let's uh, <laughs> connect.
1: Yeah, we'll connect. <laughs>
2: Afterwards. Um, I keep
1: getting our monthly uh, catch-up reminders on my phone. <laughs> <I'm> like, <"Question." laughs> I
2: don't know. And I, I did not spell my own name correctly in that. I know. I just, it's <laughs> a... <laughs> I'm
1: like, how did he mess up his own name? <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Okay. Uh. So today we have uh, Rahul. Uh, Joining us. Um, Rahul, would you like to introduce yourself to our guests, listeners?
0: Hi, everybody. I'm Rahul Topiwala. I am part of the Grotman Class of 2023 cohort. Um, I guess I'll just give a little background about myself. I'm from India, Bangalore, born in Bombay, raised in Bangalore. Um, Did my schooling here, lived most of my life here, and I did an undergrad. I wanted to like you know, do something special, do something different. So I chose, I really chose to break out of the Indian social structure by doing an engineering undergrad. I know, I know, a uh, big departure because I liked science and I knew I wanted to do something in science and I didn't know what. And my parents st- saw the perfect opportunity to insert the engineering cog into my brain. So I went there, did that, um, it w- I studied in the US at Georgia Tech. Uh, where I did chemical engineering, and it was my first time really living abroad for an extended period of time. So I really got to meet other people, you know, experience different cultures, see how other people communicate with each other, and really, I think more than any textbook, that's really what gave me an appreciation for the world, for the people, for the people that inhabited. And since then, my interests began to drift towards you know things like business, um, things like social development. And when I came back to India, I started working more along the lines of, uh, you know, I started working in a startup where I got to interact with a lot of different people, where I got to do a lot of different things and really sort of expand my horizons. And it was working at that startup and working with like founders and strategizing with them and uh, getting drunk with them also uh, after hectic days that, made me decide to like pursue the MBA and build on that newfound appreciation for business, for strategy and for, you know, global markets. So that's why I'm here. That's why I'm talking to Anag and Akshita right now. Few extra interests about me. I like writing, Uh, I like stand up, you know, once in a while I'll perform in my spare time. Obviously it's been a little difficult in the last two years, but hopefully, hopefully that'll change. I started cooking during the lockdown, which has been great. My mom is very pleasantly surprised that I'm at my cooking abilities, mostly just that I haven't burned down the kitchen, but it's definitely going to help me, uh, you know, survive Toronto and yeah, I guess that's kind of a quick lowdown about me and I'm excited to talk to Anag and Akshita and and I'm excited to meet you guys in a while.
2: Yeah, on that note of Rahul burning down his mom's kitchen, uh, I was about to burn down my house because my laptop's charges started uh, sparking up. <laughs> so we had some technical difficulties, but we're back on. And uh, yeah, in, in Rahul's introduction, I, I forgot to mention that Rahul is, uh, I mean, he he is a stand-up comic, but I also really like his style of humor, which is A little dry, a little sarcastic, which I really, really appreciate. Some people find it offensive, but I really appreciate it. So I am really excited for our conversation today. I hope uh, we (laughs) get to see more of that and and offend some people, Rahul.
0: (laughs) Uh, Let's hope not. uh,
2: (laughs) Well, uh, let's see how it pans out. We can always edit part bits out, uh, which get too offensive. So that's
0: a, uh, yeah, that's a luxury in stand-up
2: I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so tell us more about your stand-up uh, experience. Like what how did you get into it and what was like your first show like?
0: It was it was a college show. Um, okay. I was in my second, I was in my second year. I mm-hmm. had just walked, I had just walked out of a really bad test and I mm. saw and I saw a friend. Like a friend of mine who I knew who did stand up and I just kind of randomly approached him and said hey when's the next open mic
2: mm. and
0: he took me to the he took me to like this charity show that the call that one of the college student organizations was happening I did five minutes there it went well then I went outside mm. college and bombed for four mics in a row which taught me a lot of humility but then mm. I don't know it's just something about like the the rhythm, the constant per- persistence—it it, it really mm. gets to you, and it becomes very, very like addictive. You you get that sort of adrenaline rush when you go on stage, and nothing else can really match it.
2: And and do you think you you want to pursue continue doing that in Toronto?
0: If I have time, yeah. During the first year, I don't know how much time I will have. <laughs> but once things like open up, once we get free, hopefully when we get free, yeah, I I'd love to. It's. I've already been scouting out like Toronto open mics, joining the subreddit, and all that sort of. Oh, nice,
2: man, nice. Uh, I've I've actually not been to that many open mics. I've been to uh the there's a the, there's a bar in the Foggy Bottom area in Washington D.C. Uh, that in there they have three levels, and at the third level of basement they do these open mics. And uh, like open mics seem to be like a very mixed bag in terms of like the quality some people can be extremely uh bad but then some people are very very good and then you feel like how are you getting this kind of entertainment for the amazing price of free um and (laughs) um yeah it's something that i've always considered doing but i don't think i've had it in me to kind of take the take the step and you know put myself through that sort of humiliation of bombing and people not understanding uh what you're trying to say
0: um yeah, open mics are, I mean, they're meant to be a mix. Like, that's where people try stuff out, whether or mm. not it works. You'll see great comics performing terribly because it's sometimes because it's their first time even attempting a new bit.
2: A new joke. Okay.
0: Yeah. And it, but it's again, with the thing about like humiliation and all that, it, it kind of makes you immune after a point. You just develop, mm. uh, once you've bombed 10 times, it doesn't mm. really affect you anymore. And sometimes you actually kind of get a, kick out of the bomb also the the bombs have their own yeah (laughs) that is very. the thing thing about stand-up is that it's there's no barrier to entry it's there's this sort Mm. of misconception that you need talent it's really just sort of time and effort it's it's a very rewarding thing that way you get what you
2: fair enough so since since i i don't have the balls to go uh you know participate in an open mic what I do is every time I have like an audience in front of me, more than like five people and I'm giving a presentation, I take that as sort of like an open mic night and then try out some jokes in the middle of a presentation. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of my go-to thing to do in like undergrad and, and grad school. Like whenever there was a presentation, I'd, I'd have like an entire bit in between. And the the good thing was that my presentation was generally the only presentation everybody was listening to. Apart from like 10 others where, you know, you're droning on and on about a very, very serious, very boring topic. So, so that used to be like rewarding, but yeah, on, on, on that note of, uh, serious and rewarding versus not so serious, but still rewarding topics. Uh, let's introduce the topic for today, which is why do people choose, um, success over happiness? And to kick off this discussion, uh, I want to first talk about what, how do you define success? And how do you define happiness? Uh, Akshita Rahul, who which which one of you would like to go first? Akshita, you want to
1: take it? Yeah, I can go. Um, honestly, both of them are so um, intermixed. I believe so. I don't think it's easy to define what happiness is. I mean, it's both of them are so subjective. Both of them are ever changing. Um, but then one thing is for sure, happiness is um, a state of mind. It isn't a goal. Like you achieve it's something that you feel versus success can sometimes be taken as a goal where I have achieved this and thus I am successful versus in happiness you feel happy irrespective of what you do so it's a state of mind versus it's a goal so that's what I kind of have this very layman explanation of what happiness versus success is Um, I still do not know how to differentiate it completely they are very coupled they are very interlinked Maybe if Rahul can uh, shed some light, if he has any more, uh, you know, ideas on how different or what defines happiness and success separately.
0: No, I think Akshita actually covered it pretty well. I think I think we all try to make success and happiness the same thing. It's sort of the unspoken goal in all our lives, and I think the more, the longer we live, the closer those two tend to come together. I think happiness is a sense of contentment and a feeling of satisfaction at where you are and what you've done. And success is more often than not a sense of achievement and a sense of making a tangible impact on the world around you. I think success is generally external in a way that happiness is more internal. And success is the means with which you would achieve happiness.
2: Yeah, I agree. That was kind of how I would have approached it. I feel like success is more or less determined by society. Uh, You have societal definitions of what constitutes success. Uh, So like in the Indian middle-class society context would be getting into a good undergrad college, getting a good job, getting married, that sort of a thing. Uh, in most general contexts, global contexts, it's about having a good career, um, having a good, 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 uh, stable family, circle of friends, etc., etc. Uh, and of course, they they overlap. Uh, if you're kind of satisfied and you're kind of meeting your goals in your professional life, in your personal life, you will be happy. But uh, there are also differences uh, because obviously there are immensely successful people who are very, very depressed and there are people who might be homeless but would still be relatively happy. So uh, we can dive deeper into that.
1: Yeah, I think um, they're so, in- like. I mean, exactly. Sometimes happiness is kind of what affects your level of success. Um, and at the same time, sometimes your level of success is determined by how happy you are. So in a way, it's a two-way.
2: And so, uh sorry yeah, go ahead. No, you can go ahead on that. No, no, I was moving on to the next point. So you you go ahead.
0: Oh, uh so I one of the things I actually did during lockdown was I took like a introductory screenwriting class because mm-hmm. um I was bored and I was <laughs> and the person who was teaching it was someone who i who had been following on Twitter for a while. And mm. there was something and the funny thing is that I Went in there learning about screenwriting, but I actually walked away with a lot of thoughts about my own life and how to kind mm-hmm. of recontextualize how I define success and um, happiness. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that um, one of the things that you're taught in that introductory screenwriting class is that when you're writing for writing a character, every character has a subconscious need. This is a need that they need, you know, to fulfill, and a conscious goal, a goal that they strive to attain in the hopes that it will fulfill that that need. And the best stories are written where the most complicated and most engaging stories are written where there is some fundamental mismatch between that need and that. And okay. that's really what defines the uh, the character's journey throughout the story. And I was reading that and I was kind of thinking about my life too, which is what do I need? What do I want? What do I think I want? And are those two really aligned? Have I really made spent time to think about how those two connect with each other like if i need to just perform if my need is to just be you know happy and live a relaxed life performing stand-up does my want of money and material wealth really square with that or do i need to reevaluate that Does my definition of success correlate to my own sense of happiness?
2: and and sometimes i also feel that again this kind of goes back to that discussion about comparing yourself in competition Um, so like on, in an absolute sense, if you're sort of in a vacuum or if you look at what you want, uh, you might, might consider yourself to be happy, but then when this, I feel like to be happy, you don't need to look around you and see what everyone else is doing, but to determine whether you're successful or not, you have to compare yourself with other people. And I feel like this sort of comparison is inherent in the definition of success and comparison generally always leads to dissatisfaction and unhappiness Uh, what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah no i completely agree with what you're saying because that's kind of what i was thinking of when i said it's a state of mind and it's a state of your own Mm -hmm. personal mind it's something that happiness when i talk about happiness i will um that's something you feel from within versus success is always something that is benchmarked with respect to what someone else's success looks like or someone within your own uh, group or your peer circle looks like. So I do agree with what you're saying. And I also don't think success just correlates to monetary wealth. I mean, someone might be successful um, if they get married by this age or if they are able to be, get pregnant by this age, etc, etc. I mean a lot of people do take success in that way as well Um, Mm. versus a lot of people take the same things um, as unhappiness. I mean, not as a happy thing, right? So, I mean, I'm just kind of saying that, you know, a lot of people take success and happiness together the same way. A lot of people take it very drastically, very differently. And it's very subjective to who the person is. Um, Society might tell you this is successful. You're great. Uh, You've done such a great job, but you personally might not feel very good about it. And vice versa. So, yeah, although it's interconnected, it can either go contrasting ways or on the same way. Hmm.
0: In in so we are three Indians talking about this, and uh, Anag mentioned the Indian middle class a while ago. There is this. Uh, there's this. I don't know if it's a meme or a pop culture. I don't know what to call it. It's called Sharmaji ka Beta, and hmm. if Sharmaji ka Beta is basically uh, the euphemism for comparison amongst Indians. So Sharma is a very common Indian name. And in this beta means son. So Sharmaji ka beta means the neighbor's son and the neighbor is ostensibly named Sharma. And, you know, you hear a lot of stories about how Indian students are constantly compared with each other. You know, you bring, you get 80% on an exam. Your parents will say Sharmaji ka beta got 90%. You get, you come back with a 90, they will say Sharmaji ka beta got 95%. Ordinarily, I feel like most students would have been very happy with that 10% increase between the two exams. But Sharma Ka Beta has now added an extra element of competition. And so they're essentially um, spending their whole lives judging themselves based on someone else's performance, which is always going to change and it's always going to be fleeting. So I think that's something a lot of young people struggled with and i think this plays a key role in how our definitions of success and happiness change over time because i think the older you get and the more the more time you spend kind of trying and failing to live up to what is essentially an impossible standard you start to realize what matters and you start to kind of reevaluate and fundamentally pivot your life in order to meet your own internal goals and when you do that more often than not you find that success just kind of
2: yeah i agree with you on 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 a level that I mean, extending this example of okay, you get 80 percent and then you get ninety percent and you're still unhappy, it, it kind of also extends to like for example, you have your peers that you compare with right now. Um, in in your school, let's so say beta, you score the highest in that school. Then your yardstick becomes even longer. Then you will compare yourself to like everybody in the city or. If you top your city, you, like there will always be someone better than you out there uh, that people would compare themselves to. And that kind of extends even over to sort of like careers and lifestyle where you have like, as people get more rich, more successful, uh, there's always someone above them to kind of look towards and, you know, uh, feel inadequate from. And, and that is why I feel like no amount of success can get you happiness if there's no contentment. Uh, although that is like in that statement, 100% I don't agree with because there is a certain level of income uh, that you need to reach where you get happiness. Below that, uh, money starts becoming a cause for a lot of stress and uh, reasons for worrying. Uh, but beyond, I mean, there is a cutoff point. Someone did a survey that said that. 100k USD if you're living in the US per person is is the amount above which no more money does not equal more happiness but till 100k you get like more peace of mind when it comes to you know accidents or emergencies or things like that uh, but beyond that if you keep kind of comparing yourself uh, it, it does not happen
0: yeah that's a that's a good point actually is that you you need a little bit you need a little bit to at least, secure yourself after which you can start chasing the more um abstract goals about you know what really you you need you need some cushions to essentially evaluate yourself mm. uh you know? in fact um, the second thing in that screenwriting lesson they teach you is this thing called maslow's hierarchy of needs where every human there's like a there's like a ranking of what a human needs at any given time and once you've achieved once you've achieved one thing, you start yearning for the next, for the one above that. So bottom is survival, just to be alive. Above that is safety, shelter, then love and companionship, then self-esteem, and then self-actualization. So I think fundamentally what happens is that a lot of people, especially people from countries like India, where you know the bottom two are not necessarily guaranteed, um, the desperation to kind of achieve a, ma- a minimum level of safety is always there in you and it never really leaves you, even after you've achieved, you know, a certain level of security and you keep chasing that, that you keep going up that ladder, not realizing that there's a whole other list of things that you've kind of ignored during that time and that you need to focus more on those things. So yeah, that's a great point, Anand, actually.
2: And it's, it's uh, yeah, I am I'm quite amused that they taught you about Maslow's hierarchy of needs in the screenwriting class. It seems like a very, very, holistic uh, perspective, like, uh, I'm quite impressed with your um, screenwriting professor. And the second thing is, uh, I never looked at it this way. But I, I think you're right in terms of the fact that even after kind of securing those first two levels of needs of you know uh, survival and security, we still kind of have that in the back of our head. And you can see that from like the spending and saving habits of people from Asian countries compared to their Western counterparts Uh, in terms of like, we will never, you know, spend on credit, buy, buy stuff on credit. Whereas in like Western countries, uh, that's fairly common uh, because at the back of their mind, like they know that some way or the other, like it will pan out if either through social security or just some way, whereas maybe in our heads, even if you have, A reasonable amount of uh, savings in your bank account, you still will never kind of buy stuff on credit. Uh,
0: Yeah, yeah, Um, it's definitely a byproduct of evolving societies, and I'm and I'm sure that you know once we reach once these Asian countries reach a certain level of affluence, the the definitions will change, and I think people will be freer to kind of explore themselves a little bit more. Um, It's just nice to be in the generation where those debates are finally starting to be had you know i think we where we might be one of the first few generations to really start pushing back against the parents like no mom like, this is something i want to do and i'm confident that i can make myself secure in this uh in this uh, in whatever i choose
2: yeah but but i feel like we th- that is sort of a privilege that comes from like our p- parents and their grandparents generations are kind of like you know standing on the shoulders of giants like if uh they didn't choose career options or they didn't lead the kind of lifestyles they led, uh, we won't be able to lead the kind of lifestyles we lead today. So um, it, I feel like it, it it comes from that. Like I don't blame them and I kind of appreciate the privilege, but it's good that that kind of talk is happening so that in general, overall as a society, we can also start looking at higher levels in the Maslow's hierarchy beyond just the bottom two. <clears throat>
1: So philosophical. Okay. Do you, do you... <laughs> <See>? so, <laughs> yeah. No. Go ahead. Uh,
2: no. No. I was just moving on to the next point, sir. You. You go ahead first uh...
1: No, I was just wondering. So we were okay. just talking about the different factors that kind of um you're know, talking about survival, safety. Uh, love companionship etc Um. so I don't know maybe personal question for y'all but like what do you like at this stage of life what do you think are your success factors and what are your happy happiness factors like what do you think Anang?
2: so So uh, my success parameters have actually dialed down a little bit from what they were like I feel like from 2012 to 2018 was that period of extreme Competitiveness and extreme kind of chasing after Sharmaji ka beta in terms of looking at what my peers are doing, what is the societally accepted parameters for success, uh, and then and then like we mentioned about like your parameters start growing. So initially, my parameters were limited to kind of like the friends that I grew up with in India, and then um, then I reached a point where compared to them, I felt like I I achieved some level of success. So then my yardstick expanded to basically the whole globe. Then it became compared to every 26, 27-year-old in the world, where do I stand from a career perspective in like the particular industries that I was looking at? And then after a point, I realized that you know this is no way to live life because it's going to lead to almost always dissatisfaction. And uh, you know the, the life that I was leading in 2017 to 2021 has been extremely satisfying from the levels that we talk about. So, like, my first three levels had been met. And because I was chasing the upper two levels, uh, so to speak, uh, I was still more miserable. Uh So, now that's changed. I don't know, Raoul, what, what your take on it is.
0: Not that different. I mean, I did engineering, so clearly money was <laughs> in my head somewhere. Uh, <laughs> is it, it, It's weird because it's actually very... I reverse interpreted the standard Indian logic, you know, which is that, mm. well, the, not the standard Indian logic, what we were talking about, which was that, mm. you know, my dad and grandfather worked for a while to get me to where I am, I should mm. kind of use this privilege to explore what makes me happy. But I think when I was 18 or 19, or when I was in college, it was, mm. oh, I got to beat them like that, mm. that, that debate started going on in my head that I need to build and expand further. But stand-up, I think, actually kind of helped me prioritize a lot. And I think hobbies Uh tend to do that. You know, hobbies, interests, parallel activities that don't necessarily equate to any monetary or external validation, but just make you feel good. Having Uh that alternate voice helps you kind of critically evaluate what you're doing in your, you know, mainstream career as well. Like before, I remember before stand-up, I we, uh, I would go to, I, I would go to interviews and I'd ask about like the, you know, hiring questions about uh, salaries and all these things. And after standup, I started, found I found myself asking a lot more questions about work-life balance. Like, am I actually going to be happy? You know, what's the environment like? You know, the salary is fine. I'm, obviously I'm expecting a good amount, but you know, what are the other things that I can get out of this? And yeah, that, Those questions started getting unlocked in my head when once I started doing comedy and once and once I started getting more. So that's when the definite change.
2: That's that's impressive. Yeah, I I feel like so so this whole concept of like jobs and working to earn a living, right? The the phrase is earning a living, Uh, and the idea is that you you know you do do your time, you pay your dues, and then you get paid uh, your salary, and then you can then lead a life, do whatever you want to do in your life in terms of your hobbies and leisure and all of that but over the years uh it's become the sort of thing where we are basically making a dying because we spend all our time at work Be- weekdays you can't even think of really planning anything outside of work if you're in sort of these competitive white collar jobs or if you work in any job in india and then most of the times weekends are also not protected so basically what we do is we live from sort of one holiday to the other and the rest of the time, we're kind of just spending all the time at work. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like what is the point of all of this if you're not really happy, you're not getting to use it or if you're not getting time to do anything? Else?
1: I think we also, I mean, uh, this conversation is kind of bringing me back to the conversation we had with uh, Mavis based on mm-hmm. what we want and what we uh, need to do. I think this is something Rahul also mentioned earlier in the conversation mm. about this want versus need, and um, mm. that entire. I think I mentioned this in the podcast with her. Um, this random situation I had a few years ago, where I had to kind of decide between doing something that makes me happy, which was doing an international volunteering stint, versus doing something that is success deemed successful, which is getting a internship in a good job uh, in a good organization. And kind of that decision-making process of whether it's uh, to choose success or to choose happiness. I think this this conversation is also very similar to that. Um, how would you kind of tackle this situation? Suppose, say Rahul, if you're in a situation where there's this amazing opportunity for a stand-up free of cost. I mean, you're not getting paid for it, and you know you kind of you know you're going to feel so good after this. But at the same time, same day you have this uh, very important networking event where you think you might be able to crack this one company that you want to work with so how do you make that choice of you know what's at that point what's more important to you do you have any ideas or is it just a trial (laughs) hidden hidden method?
0: oh uh it's very contextual it's hard to say i mean first of all stand-up shows are networking events comics go there so they can meet the producer and get another 10 gigs out of it there is no like that's that's the only reason we all really go there so it's a networking event either way. Um, I yeah that that that's a tough one actually. I, I haven't thought of it. I might. I, I'm glad you brought it up. I think it might come up once or twice in Toronto. Um, I don't know. I'm not, do you have any Do you have any ideas?
2: No. Yeah. Is he needed? Yeah. I feel like it. It goes back to that point I made about you know achieving a certain level of security, and then it could be a, a job that pays 100k, or it could be just getting a job. Uh, so in in this context, it, it depends on when the networking event is happening. Like if I feel like I have a job that I'm reasonably happy and satisfied with, I'm definitely going to sc- screw the networking event and, you know, go go attend the stand-up event. But if I'm right now struggling to find a job, let's say I'm, we are going to all going to be in, in B-school and we'd be looking for a job. Uh, so going to that stand-up event, while I'm at the back of my head still stressed about finding a job, it's not going to give me happiness so in that sense in that that particular context I will go for the networking event but let's say after we've graduated and I've start, I've got a nice job that I like and then there's an opportunity to you know go go to some bigger company or some some other networking event then I'll probably say screw it to that and you know go do the stand-up comedy event because i am I am reasonably safe I'm reasonably happy and then this is kind of higher level yeah
0: yeah no I agree with that I think uh, it would depend on the situation. If I'm if I have a certain amount of security and if the networking event isn't a full necessity, I'd probably take stand up. Otherwise, I'd go. Otherwise, I'd go for network.
2: Yeah, and it's it also has to be like so 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 right now uh, with this B school, we have a gazillion events on our calendar right now, and not all of them are going to be of value, or in fact most of them are not going to be of any value. Uh, But in our heads, when it comes to prioritizing, you know, I I have like yesterday we had an event organized by Bain and I was in no mood to like attend. I was in no like headspace to attend another event where people are, uh, you know, just advertising their organization and I'm not going to get anything of value out of it, but I still attended because in my head I was like, oh, this is related to, you know, job searching and careers and all of that. but, How I really should approach it is look at it not just based on what category of event it is, like for example, networking versus hobby, but also look at how important it is in that particular field. So like for example, yesterday's event I could have missed entirely and I would not have missed anything except for maybe a couple of memes that were created out of it. Uh, Whereas some events might be more important. So that needs to be assessed rather than just a sort of blanket prioritization that Anything related to career takes precedence over anything related to hobby slash socialization.
1: Do you also think yeah. that it's related to, I mean, how risk averse or risk tolerant you are in terms of this entire choosing success versus happiness?
2: Uh, yeah, uh, I, I, that that comes into play as well. And there it's it's like I would swap out the phrase happiness for peace of mind, like uh there there are opportunities and options or decisions that you can make which are more high risk high payoff. But uh, like for example, I've realized that I'm I'm very risk averse. So I've I've made career decisions in the past couple of years which are going to pay me off lower than what I could have if I'd gone the other path. But it gives me more peace of mind. And you know, choosing to go to a B school in Canada is the prime is a prime example of that where the payoff is going to be maybe slightly lesser, but there is extreme peace of mind, and that's because I'm risk averse.
0: I think uh, I yeah, well the MBA is actually great in that, in that extent, because it's kind of a miniaturized version of life itself. You will just get, you know, slapped with more events than you can possibly imagine, and it's really up to you during that first year to figure out, okay, what do I need to, where do I need to be, where do I not need to be, what can wait later, what has to be done now. It's a real sort of trial by fire, and the second year, in the second year, from what we've all heard, people, students are a lot more content and a lot more chilled out because they've kind of figured, we prioritize themselves, and I think most people live their life going, uh, live their life with that mentality as well, um, and you can kind of see that later on um, in, in the later years of a lot of people where they are, they've achieved a decent where they've risen up the ladder. And they start to spend more time on you know um, what's going to give them personal fulfillment. Like for example, the startup I worked at, everyone, all of the founders were in their mid to late thirties, and they all quit very very high paying jobs uh, at their companies. Like one guy was working at Toyota, another person was working at Edelweiss Bank. Um, two two more were like two others were big short consultants. They all quit their jobs at the same time to start like this new weird uh, peer-to-peer lending startup which at the time barely even existed in india and when i asked them why they did it the reasons they gave were not monet- were not for fame or success they actually they one of them said that because india is a country where people don't trust each other and i want to change that so it was a much more it was a much deeper more altruistic reason than i imagined but again going back to anna's point they had the internal self esteem of edelweiss behind them when they had made that leap so i think during i think during the mba we're all going to go i'm pretty i i'm i'm pretty sure the first internships are all going to be at consulting and finance but then later on you're going to see a lot of people getting hired at marketing or at product development or something that they that might not earn them the big bucks or what they won't like because they, the employment the employment report is isn't going to look as great, but something that makes, just makes them feel a little. Yeah. Fair
2: uh, point. Uh, I, I feel like some people are already quite disillusioned and uh, if fear of missing out wasn't a the thing, they, they would probably go ahead and, you know, get those jobs straight away. But uh, fear of missing out is also an extreme driver. And I, I feel like that again goes back to this whole getting into the rat race, comparing ourselves with other people, you know, what what gets defined as success. If in the MBA, you don't get an internship at a hotshot consulting firm and all your peers do, then can you really call yourself successful?
0: Which I should, I i feel like we should put a disclaimer, you know, for any people in our cohort who's listening, you're already in enraught. Like it's a top <laughs> school. You're done. Yeah. You're like, you've, you've, you've made a grade. You don't have to come. We, we really shouldn't be competing with each other internally at this point. We've all gotten here. We've made the, we, we made that leap. Let's, maybe use this time to kind of focus on ourselves a little bit because that name is going to carry us wherever we go so success will success is going to be very easy to come by but happiness is going to
2: be something we'll have to work on yeah very true but yeah, you know, on the extreme 180 of what you just said i'll tell you i'll t- paint you a picture of how someone's life working in finance pans out so you get hired first you get into a competitive undergrad college or an MBA program. Then you compete with your peers from your, your university and other universities in the country to get an internship at an investment bank. Then you compete with your peers who got into that class of interns to get a final job offer. Then for the next two years, you compete with your analyst or associate pool to get a promotion after two years. Then you compete with all of these people and other people in other investment banks to switch to private equity. Then you work in private equity, you try to grow within private equity, or then you try to switch to hedge fund rather working for a hedge. Fund. So for the next 15 to 18 years, your life is just filled with competing and benchmarking and uh, trying to grow and that sort of a thing. And at whatever point you decide to tap out um, is the point you become happy and also you become a failure.
1: Oof, that was <laughs> deep. <laughs> Thank God us all thinking. <laughs> that was a killer of a line, Anand. <laughs> that's when you <he laughs> become happy and also a failure. Nice, but it's quite sad. Uh, exactly, I think Anand should do stand up. Yeah, I think you'd you'd be you'd fit right in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: Well, that's something I'm looking forward to now. Going to some pub in Toronto and doing a ma- open mic with Rahul. That'll be fun for sure. Anyway, uh I just,
0: yeah, hope, sure. I just hope. I just hope like HR people from in, from like the companies we I really don't want them to see that. I, I I would hate to do a show and then some guy from BCD sitting there and then he sees me in the interview is like not him. No, nobody, <laughs>
1: nobody was talking. About it.
0: No, no, no. I don't want him meeting our clients uh,
2: uh, Yeah. Uh, But to be fair, those BCG consultants won't have time to attend stand-up comic shows anyway. So you're safe.
1: (laughs) I was just thinking that. (laughs) I like like how all things BCG people have time to come.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so let's let's move to the next uh, bit, which is like, do these definitions of happiness and success change over time? Like from like when you're growing up as a kid from based on what you're, parents have kind of ingrained into you and then you go out in the world yourself and kind of experience things and and then maybe a few years down the line yeah yeah uh definitely you you definitely start to
0: again it, it, it's quite beginning, where the goal of everyone is to make success and happiness the same thing and i think that just gets easier as you go regardless of what career path you take as long as you kind of are able to ensure a minimum standard of living you start to think more about um yourself when you start to think more about um what personally gives you joy i think that's a big driver behind midlife crises for example like
2: mm-hmm. usually
0: it's the same story where someone will hit their you know their 40s and then they kind of look back and they're like oh where did where did all the time go where did every mm-hmm. where all where did all those years go i need to really sort of double down and focus on you know doing the crazy stuff that i missed out on that's it's sort of a standard um template of life that most people have gone through i think it's changing generation by generation i think we are a little bit better at blending at blending the two uh, early on because we've seen we have a greater exposure to career opportunities we the diversity of jobs is much greater so there's a lot more room to kind of pick what they and choose what we personally like um so hopefully that uh I think we are kind of pre-poning the bringing back the happiness bit a little bit and successfully successfully melding them. At least that's my hope for my generation and the generations going.
2: I I agree. Like So, I don't know if you've ever seen like in India, you have all these tour um, companies like Thomas Cook and Fox and Kings and all these others and they'll do these sort of groups of 50-55 people from like they take them from India and they'll take them around Europe and more times than not, in these sort of group tours, you'll see like these old retiree couples who, you know, spend their entire lives working and, you know, taking care of their kids and just, you know, meeting, ticking all the boxes that 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 society requires you to saving up. And then now they're kind of going on this sort of almost around Europe, for example. But the problem is that at, by this point, if, you know, they're in their 60s, 70s, they no longer have the energy to really go around. And it it just breaks my heart to see that, you know, they deferred their entire life to kind of this point where now they're going to start doing things that they would have liked to do. and But now it's it's sort of too late because you no longer have the energy. You don't have that sort of... uh, You probably will not be able to enjoy it or take in as much as you could if, you know, you went and did that at our age.
0: And uh, actually, speaking of that, there's one more kind of important thing we haven't discussed in the life in people's lives which is kids like family Mm -hmm. children, because that's a very key moment where on the one hand it's a big happy it's a big boost for your happiness because it's an incredible feeling to like live for someone I don't have kids but I know there's people Mm -hmm. in our cohort that do and Mm -hmm. it's incredible to like be able to live for someone other than yourself and you know be part of someone else's life there's no greater happiness than that on the other hand you better you feel more than compelled to make sure that that kid has everything he or she could ever ask for and more so there's a lot more responsibilities that come with that one thing I've noticed is that people are choosing to like get married and have kids a lot later because um, it's more of an individual choice now that they're taking the time to figure themselves out Figure out what they want and when they want it. Being a little bit more picky with their partners, and then choosing to have kids at a time where they are well, well, well off, and where they don't really have to worry about overlapping or intersecting responsibilities. Um, so, I think I, I I think that's a big positive development in people, and it's a, a big it's another part of how people have been able to meld. Merit- yeah, yeah, and
2: and just adding to that, I feel like there's a lot of people who are choosing not to have kids at all rather than sort of have them because of societal pressure and then be miserable uh, throughout and almost resentful even <clears throat> yeah okay and now let's come to the titular question of the episode Why do you think people choose successful happiness? When, when we know that success happiness is the goal and uh, happiness is you know what I mean we're trying to reconcile both of them together. Uh, Why not just straight away go for happiness?
1: I think it's the need slash want for money, security, stability. That's it. Um, Happiness cannot guarantee all of it. Maybe in some situations, Mm -hmm. happiness, the thing that makes you happy might kind of guarantee you uh, some kind of stability, some kind of security, some kind of money. But uh, when you compare it with something that is deemed successful, it might Successful by society, it might kind of guarantee, if not all three, one of the three. So that need for stability, I would say, whether it's financially, whether it's uh, societal, whether it is just mental stability, is what is why people probably go for success over happiness. I mean, pursuing something that makes you happy is also not an easy task, right? It's it's also a tough road to follow, um, and yeah, a lot of people just take the easy way out or to kind of not go through that kind of stress or that kind of uncertainty
0: in life yeah so it, it depends on what it depends on the situation it depends on your situation and your background so obviously if you are not financially secure and if you're not going up financially secure then uh oh no most sparks sorry uh yeah. obviously it depends on the situation like obviously if you're not Financially secure, then you want to kind of um, set yourself up and uh, make sure that you are in a much better place. Because at that level, that's all you really need to be happy. Just kind of get to. Once you have achieved that, however, then I think, assuming that, uh, assuming that um, that base level security is there, it's mostly just down to peer pressure and the need to, and the need to find validation from others because you think that that's a substitute for. You know your own internal voice and it tends to create a vicious cycle where you spend so much time looking for inter- external validation that you don't really figure yourself out which makes you more dependent on the external validation which makes you sink more time into it um that would be it, it's a it's generally a cycle that people tend to get caught up in and generally they are kind of shaken out of it by something else like a hobby an interest maybe uh, a friend or a partner that kind of makes them um, reevaluate. Um, I think, again, ending on a kind of a positive note, we are seeing that go away a little bit. We're seeing a younger generation that's more capable of figuring out what they want and figuring out, and not just figuring out what they want, but figuring out how, figuring out how to make it work. for them. Um, We're very entrepreneurial, um, and we know, and we and we have a better understanding of the world thanks to the internet, and hopefully because of that, we kind of we can kind of figure out our niche and where we can add value. Like, for example, there's a company called Cred in India, which is a very successful company. And one policy that they have is they always hire people who do something else on the side. So they hire comics, they'll hire singers, they'll hire people who, in addition to fulfilling the role, will always have something extra. And that has actually contributed in a great part to their success. The ads that they make are some of the most popular advertisements in India because they get comics to write them. And this is something that probably couldn't have happened in a generation before. And it's a great sign, hopefully, of uh, the end, everyone's end goal manifesting itself, which is success and happiness finally joining. Okay.
2: Now, to play the devil's advocate on this point, I feel like success beyond just monetary success, it also leads to a better standing in society in terms of your friends your associates and your romantic partner as well and these three things influence happiness as well so in some ways the societal definitions of success uh, leads to things which lead to eventual happiness beyond just monetary uh but the, the i guess the challenge is where do you draw the line and i think people are not able to draw the line because of the reason you mentioned Rahul which is that after a point you start just seeking external validation you forget forget about what is it that you actually need or want and uh, just creates this sort of vicious cycle where you keep going on and on until some sort of external uh, factor or trigger makes you reassess and then you get out of that loop
0: yeah uh, i think i i i think maslow's hierarchy is actually a great guide in that sense You know, maybe Mm -hmm. every few months or every few years, just kind of look at that pyramid and figure out like, okay, what do I have? What do I really need? How much time have I really spent on the higher levels? Am I sinking too much time? Um, It's helped me rebalance what I spend my time on. Uh, It's actually helped me work on projects that I enjoy a lot more. And I think it's a good way to kind of live your life. Just seeing objectively
2: evaluating all your needs and figuring out how much work you uh, final question uh, to both of you what would a life spent choosing happiness over success look like
1: um I think if you choose happiness over success there is that level of contentment that we were all talking about and satisfaction from within you have your intrinsic motivation to actually do the things in life versus when if you choose to chase success you might not actually want to do it but you're doing it just because society tells you to or it yields the best results um so that level of internal satisfaction uh, motivation etc i also think irrespective of all these things a uh, certain level of happiness comes with um your own feelings I mean you will stop hurting your own feelings trying to force yourself to do things you don't like uh, this is probably a way of life if you choose happiness over success where you are very distinctly conflicted I mean once whether you have to choose like a 180 degree left or a right I think in that sense you'll kind of stop fighting with your own self your own feelings and make that decision and then when once you'll be happy you will kind of uh, feel that, yeah, I mean, my choice was validated. My choice is, even though it's not validated by society, as Rahul was mentioning, you kind of seek that validation according to what your friend circles or what your peers are doing. But then you are happy from within. You have validated your own thing, self validated. So maybe that, um not really sure. Rahul? Uh,
0: it would probably be a slower life, um, a less extravagant life, but a life with a lot less regrets um and despite you know the clear prioritization of happiness over success i think there would be some measure of you know financial security that would inevitably come just from your ability to better evaluate your strengths and weaknesses and focus more on um i i i i am no expert on it but i think that a life spent choosing happiness over success will Probably lead to a lot of second guessing in the short term, but in the long term, you know, you when you by the time you hit your forties, your fifties, I think you'll be in a m- much better place emotionally, and probably not that, not too different a situation financially from a lot of your peers. If you're, if that's something you're thinking about, I mean, I'd rather be. Uh, if we're going by Anug's holiday analogy, I'd rather be. Happy in you know Goa or someplace than you know miserable and regretful in like the French Riviera. So yeah, slower, less extravagant, but I think more, but a better life and a life with a lot less looking back.
1: Yeah, and this reminds me of this quote that I have like on my uh, sticky notes that I always keep. It's like it goes, uh, "I'd rather regret the risks that didn't work out than the chances I didn't take at all." So in that sense. If you chase happiness, you will at least not regret that, you know, you never tried it out. You can always, always um, go back to doing things if that doesn't work out. But in case you never try to go for what makes you happy, you will never know. And in that sense, then you will still not be successful because you will always have that regret, as what Rahul mentioned.
2: (laughs) And it's funny that that is exactly how I plan to justify the the decision to quit my job and work on a startup and then have it eventually fail and then go back to finding a job in the interview. Like I went through this whole question and my response before I resigned. And this is exactly what I was going to call. It.
0: <laughs> but Anand, the startup would have made you the startup would have made you a way better employee. You would have been a whatever job you do afterwards, the even if you fail at the startup, the whole startup experience would put you miles ahead of everyone else and you'd be searching for better jobs by the end of it you'll Mm. be more focused on the jobs you wanted based on the hell that you went through you'll be able to pick out what (laughs) you enjoyed better and you'll be better at it so yeah i mean that's maybe fine you might lose out on some money after those years spent but there actually is Mm. some return to chasing it's not it's not always a you know complete
2: trade-off right yeah no i i agree i just it is funny that Akshita brought up that quote that was in, and so, so my quote was the regret of uh, action is better than the regret of inaction or something along those lines, but kind of similar to this, this point. And I, I agree with like what all of you said. And I and I feel like it, it's funny when we have these discussions and, you know, it seems all this sort of intellectual new agey discussions that we have about our lifestyles and the sort of, you know, millennials talking about it. Eventually, we end up with like, you know, those almost uh, fairy tales with a moral at the end that we were read, read to us as children. Like uh, I, this, this whole discussion reminded me of that uh, prince who was extremely rich and he refused to eat anything that, you know, people in the king's chef, like the king's chef would make for him. And then he went and lived with like a very poor family who was, you know, who didn't even have like, resources to buy bread and stuff. But then by the end of it, he was extremely like happy and then he was happy eating his plain bread or something like that. So like the point is that you should be satisfied and happy with where you are rather than keep striving for more and more and more and more. And you know, there's no end to that. But I don't know, and how, how do we reconcile that with having just signed up to go to beach, School and <laughs> go ahead, da- dive head, fast, head first, headfirst into the rat race? <laughs> I
1: don't think we can justify our actions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will be like, this is the worst thing you could say to watch your MBA. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like
1: us trying to deflect all our classmates saying, hey, go <laughs> choose happiness <laughs> over success.
0: I'm like, I, I can imagine yeah. us like, kind of give this, like us giving this lecture in a class and the professor is like, okay, you still, you're still getting a deep. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh.
1: All right, Anag, Do you wanna? Uh, should we wrap up this uh, part of
2: the yeah, discussion? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's let's wrap up. Any final thoughts, Rahul? Do you want to add to this? Oh uh,
0: no, I think we've. I mean, I I, I think we've all kind of uh, covered whatever needs to be covered. I guess if there's a few things, um, I could say it would be you know if you have a hobby, if you have something else, uh, in your life that you're doing, don't ever devalue that make sure you spend time on it, make sure you work on it, make sure you have something that gives you joy other than just, um, you know, this uh, straightforward way. But like if, since we're in B school, I'll put it in finance terms. Uh, don't, you never put, don't put all your eggs in one basket, diversify your emotional investments a little bit. And I think that'll help you, that'll give you a greater sense of uh, perspective on everything you do. And it will help you take better decisions on the key issues that matter like going back to my stand-up thing it's helped me make better career choices so don't disregard that focus on it and really take time to appreciate whether it's a partner whether it's a kid whether it's anything that you have take time to appreciate it and uh, make sure you you always have those
2: elements you know
0: make sure that you're always thinking about those things and keeping yourself content
2: with I don't think I can. I can top that with any other. Yeah, it sounds like a perfect <laughs> <laughs> Perfect
1: summary to this conversation. Mm. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, okay, so since uh, Rahul, you're the first time we have had a stand-up comic on the podcast. Uh, you have to come up with some sort of funny incident slash event uh,
0: no that's happened to you
2: in like no pressure. <laughs> some funny event. That's what. Like, just a funny story. Just just tell us a funny story that's happened to you funny in the story. past. Whatever time frame you want to talk about.
0: Uh, I'm going to think of one that's PG. It's very, it's difficult in stand-up with like when you're performing <clears> in late night pubs and um you know, all of those things. Uh, oh yeah. One time uh, I got drunk with a bunch of comic friends and we decided that all the podcasts by other comedians were terrible and that and that we were clearly far superior and we could do a much better Mm -hmm. job just I mean look we had five beers we're we're quick with our we're quick witted you know let's just put a phone down uh, and talk for 20 minutes and just upload it to the internet and it'll be the best podcast India's ever seen we did that we spoke for 15 minutes it was going great we were actually one-upping each other and we were making callbacks and we were um, you know, roasting other famous comedians. And uh, we wrapped up this epic discussion. And uh, one guy looked at his phone and realized he had forgotten to press record. Oh, man. <laughs> I
2: like, can you check a yeah. you, you press record?
1: <laughs> it's I just the first thing I checked. I was like, oh, no, it's a Zoom call recording.
2: <laughs> this is a
0: great podcast, yeah. guys.
1: <laughs> Thanks this for this the disclaimer, on <laughs> Rahul. The sarcasm mm. is off the roof. Mm. <laughs> this reminds me of that story with my mom trying to take my video surfing and then ending up taking her chapels.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
1: actually saw that video today and I'm just like, nope, still not over this.
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, final question to you, Rahul. Who would you like to see next featured on this podcast? from the
0: cohort? I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of, I, I mean, I think most of the people we've, I've interacted with have already kind of already been on you. So it's tough for me to really uh, make a call and see who else could be there. Yeah, I'm not sure. I've seen, I mean, I, I, I've seen most of them and I think I've seen all the ones of people I've spoken to.
2: So I don't really know anyone else from now okay, on. That, that's a good, uh, good uh, situation to be in that we have covered uh, all the interesting people that Rahul could suggest. Uh, but if uh, uh again okay, I'll not put you on the spot. Uh I, I guess I guess that's it then uh thank you so much for taking the time out to join us today, Rahul. Uh this was definitely a fun uh discussion and thank you for bearing with the technical difficulties that we had today. Hopefully Akshata did remember to press the record button. Uh we don't we'll on this know very once soon once we end the meeting. <laughs> we'll
1: know very soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thanks Rahul. Thank you so much for being here. Your occasional um, humor was very nice too. And very nice um, Mm -hmm. contrast to this conversation, which is quite philosophical, but also very fruitful. So yeah, thanks for being
0: here. Thanks for having you guys. This this was a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: Sure. Uh Yeah, sure. Oh, in, nice reference, in reference, this, this in reference, in reference. Your... This is the
0: problem now. everyone, the second I'm a comic, everyone just assumes I'm always
2: being
1: sarcastic. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Thanks, man.
2: <laughs> okay, you can stop recording now.